Howdy for Kopitar, just beyond the reach of Milko Carlson. Kings keep it. Kopitar, wrist to score! Kings take an early lead on the power play. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Kings. That's only the fifth shot on goal of the game for San Jose. Dylan charging down the wall, dropped it up top, a shot off of Quick in front. Dylan swatting at the loose puck, it's saved by Quick. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. All right, well, <clears throat> that was no fun, you guys. I've always said that sports fans get spoiled fast, and uh, I'm no exception. I was totally spoiled by the Kings' hot start. Now we've got our first two-game losing streak, which isn't even really a streak, honestly. Three games is a streak. So we've got our first back-to-back losses, uh, both of them coming at Staples Center, and now we've got Vancouver coming on Tuesday night. Now, uh, Vancouver has lost uh, both of its last two games as well. They lost to the Sharks 5 to nothing in their last game. They'll have had two days off. They're currently tied with Dallas and Calgary for the last two wildcard spots, although Dallas and Calgary play in the only two games on the docket tomorrow. My point in bringing all this up is to say that Tuesday night's game can tell us an awful lot about the Kings and this season. A win, and we can shrug and say, hey, you lost to the best team in the league, no big deal. Then you lost to the best offensive team in the league by giving up two fluke goals. What are you going to do? A win, and the Kings improved to 12-4-2 in the last two games are a total hiccup. A loss, it could depend on how they lost, I grant you, but a loss becomes a three-game losing streak at home uh, the first of the season. So at the risk of being somewhat melodramatic, Tuesday's game is probably more important than your average 18th game of the season. Or not. It could wind up being a totally meaningless win or loss. One more game out of uh, 82. Either way, I kind of want it to be Tuesday night right now, um, but that's the problem with hockey season's we always want the next game right away, and then when there's no more games to play, we lament that the season flew by so quickly. Fortunately, there's really no off-season for this podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing today. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify Premium, Google Play, any other place you find quality podcasts, iOS, Android, even Linux. I Again, as always, I see you Linux users out there. Um, subscription links and recent episodes can be found at lakings.com slash podcast. Joining me here at the Brass Box live at Staples Center, Jack Jablonski. How are you doing tonight, Jack? Uh, I don't really know. It was it was an interesting <laughs> game, but uh, doing well. Good to be here. First two-game losing streak of the season, second loss at home in regulation. Um, you asked me before we started recording if I thought this game was a little different than, than every other Sharks-Kings games. Um, you know, if, if you hadn't asked me, I wouldn't have phrased it that way. It wouldn't have occurred to me to say it that way. I would. I just attributed it to the Sharks playing a style of defense we've never seen from them before. They are arguably the best defensive team in the league this year. What did you see out there? Uh, to further to further that, I, I agree with the point that you know it was a little bit more defensive. You know, from the, the times that I've seen you know Kings Sharks matchups and the rivalry as it's built over the years. It's been one of those times where you know it's constant offense, it's constant opportunity, and it's always evenly matched. It's just a matter of you know who gets the upper hand that night. You know, as we'll get into a little bit, it was much more of a chess match tonight, I believe, uh, in the sense of you know everyone was kind of overthinking things, looking three steps ahead instead of just playing the game as it went. Um, but yeah, I, th- I felt it was a little bit different compared to what we've seen in the past, and 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 going beyond you know. The Sharks being a little bit more concerned about their goal scoring and and much more conservative on their decision making. So the one thing I noticed uh, 
and and I don't know what to attribute this to. It could just be an odd night. It could just be you know the pucks bounced the wrong way. But I saw a lot of passes that were either a foot too far, a foot too short, or more importantly, a, a, a second too late. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I particularly saw Dowdy on the power play, wide open passing lane, plenty of options, skated himself right to the blue line and turned it over. Yeah, There's no reason for that. And look, obviously, Drew Dowdy, you know, we've said repeatedly, Hall of Fame defenseman, getting a statue, a banner, the whole deal. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they lost the game because of one misplay by Drew Doughty, but that sort of moment seemed to happen to me over and over and over again, whether it was Kempe trying to pull up and pass around a man rather than just getting rid of the puck a little bit faster, whether it was, you know, I follow trying to thread a pass through eight guys instead of just rimming it around the boards to an open man. They weren't using open space. They were, like I said, it, it was just a little too late on almost every play and... You know, they come out of the first period with a one-goal lead out shooting their opponent, and I thought, okay, they've turned the corner. They sort of figured it out, and they wind up getting outplayed for the rest of the game. And even though it was just 2-1, to um, you know, I think you said it. They didn't deserve to win the night. Yeah, and it was, was, as you you can tell with the tone of your voice and just the way that you kind of described it, it, it is very frustrating because they had the opportunities and they had the chances and and Martin Jones played really well and, and Quick you know held his own as well uh, you know just on the Kings side uh, but no I agree it was one of those situations where it was you know guys up in the stands uh, to you know maybe Stevens behind the bench you're kind of just scratching your head on you know what is going on because this is not the way they've built to an 11-3 and 2 record this the the decision 11-4 and 2 11-4 and 2 sorry um but you know prior to the game 11-3 yeah. and 2 you know it, this wasn't what got them to to where they were and and granted you know we still have some injuries on the shelf and that that's gonna you know snake bite uh a little bit but i agree it was it was a, it was kind of an odd game hopefully a fluke um and, and they can move forward from from a game that just didn't look like themselves from what we've seen earlier in the year. You know, it hadn't occurred to me until just now when you were speaking, and I randomly pulled up the uh, the heat map for where the shots are taken on the ice. And for the, for any of you who, who don't know what I'm talking about, there's just a map of the of the rink, and it just there's these colored blobs that show you where the team is taking most of their shots from. And the more red it is, the more shots, and the greener it is, the less shots. And usually, if you look at the Kings shooting map. The red blob is right in front of the other team's net. I mean, right in front of it, right around yep. the slot, right where Coach Stevens talked about in the offseason. Yep. Um, you know, we saw it last game, right? He said, if they if they take a bunch of penalties for goaltender interference, <laughs> we're perfectly happy with that because we want to be crashing that net. This game, the blob is above the slot, off to the side, towards the right face-off circle. And that's sort of the story of the game, just a little bit off <laughs> from where they wanted to be. And honestly, like I said, I don't know whether to attribute that to the Sharks just being real good at defense and having a real good night of getting exactly what they wanted, or maybe the Kings were rattled after losing to a real good Tampa Bay team. Yeah, it, you know, honestly, it could be a little bit of second guessing. Mm-hmm. You know, that being said, you've got a lot of guys who are really young. You've got rookies on this team. You've got re- young players who are in their second year. The, this team is loaded with a bunch of guys that are kind of just still coming together, and we're. You know, we got off to a great start, but at the same time, the season is still young. Things are still developing. Lines are still developing chemistry. You know, the Kempe line, who was the best line tonight, uh, you know, they've been building chemistry since Carter's been out, but they still haven't played a lot together. So it kind of just looked like, you know, everything's 
you know, was a little bit off tonight, as you said, and that's how the game went. That's how the shot map, or the heat map was as well. Uh, it just, they weren't themselves, and they came out with zero points because of it. And, you know, to switch hats real quick and to put on my, you know, positive cap, um, if this game ends one to nothing Kings and the shot total is exactly the same, yep. this is a totally different story. This completely, is, completely. this is... You know, resilient kings yep. come back after a yep. loss to Tampa they, Bay. They got the win when they didn't have it all, right. yeah, et cetera, and, et cetera. And the reality is Tampa, or, uh, Shark, the Sharks' goals were not some sort of beautiful execution. No, they, weren't they, weren't, they weren't the no. beautiful game that we all know and love. <laughs> One was a rebound that just popped open to a wide-open dude. Off of a deflected Jonathan yeah. Quick glove. And then the other one literally went off a dude's foot. Yeah. So, it's I mean, not to paint this loss with too dark a brush, I just... You know, my fear is that I see the numbers and they're trending in the wrong direction. You know, in the offseason, Steven said they want to revitalize the offense, they want to reemphasize the offense, but they don't want to sell out their defensive identity. And unfortunately, uh, that's exactly what they've done. <laughs> um, and for now, it's working, and so it's great, right? 11 4 and 2, I'll take that. I'll take that pace over a full season. <laughs> yeah. The problem is, you know, you see their shots against and it's bottom third in the league you see their high def scoring chance percentage and it's bottom third in the league you know I, I i asked you to take a look at which lines were giving up the the most chances because i i thought well you know look the reality is kopitar brown and i follow are great right they're pouring in the points kemp a uh Tifoli and pearson are pouring in the lines but like the fourth line for example is at times um camillary brooks like and uh, whomever you know, Brooks Like, no disrespect to Brooks Like, wasn't in the league last year. Michael Camilleri bought out by his team from last season. So, yeah. so I was thinking, okay, well, maybe if you've got a third line or fourth line that can account for this discrepancy. But what do you think? It's this is you know as one of the things is when we were earlier in the season and we were winning and mm-hmm. we were taking the bright side because we were winning and that was the most important thing. Now that we you know this is a two game losing streak, you know, it's this isn't you know throw it against the wall and see what sticks at this point because you are 11-4-2, but what was going right at the season and the mistakes that were still happening are now costing us, and that's a little bit of the concern with the depth because you've got six, you know, your top two lines can hang with anyone. That was shown tonight. The bottom six is what concerns us, and and that's what's, you know, it, and it's not that... Um, it, it's not that they were on the ice for the goals. Now, they happened to be on the ice for the second goal that ended up being the game-winning goal. But it's not like they're the consistent um, you know, current you know, team on the ice when you know, they're giving up goals. It's that they're on the ice and they're getting outplayed. And, they're, and they're, their time of possession is not in their favor. They're in the defensive zone. And, and that doesn't necessarily help the team when the, when the top two lines get on the ice because all of a sudden the momentum has shifted. And... and you know, all the Kings defensive has spent their time in their zone chasing the puck. And it, it just snowballs. And that's the biggest problem is if the top lines aren't going to be able to outplay whoever their matchup is, and that's the thing with home ice advantage is when you have that last shift, it's it's very important for Stevens to be able to get the matchups he wants because if you don't, all of a sudden it can counteract and you get a game like this where things just weren't right. You know, they got outplayed in the second and third period, snowballed fluke goal ends up you know being a game losing goal and it's it's particularly frustrating to me because it, it for me it's that margin by which you outplay your opponent yeah so now you know right now we have uh the kings 
they're still, I would argue, outplaying their opponent, but it's by a narrow margin. And so a game like this, puck luck, yep. is the determining factor, right? Very it much it so. turns a, a one to nothing win into a two to one loss in the third period. Um, I looked up Kemp, or, uh, Kopitar and Dowdy. Yeah. Because I was curious. Because those are your two pillars. Those are your, yep. you know, Selkie Measuring winner and Norris sticks. trophy yep. winner two seasons ago. Dowdy went from last year, and it's a small sample size this season. There's plenty of time to turn around. But Dowdy went from last year to being arguably one of the most effective, just on the defensive end of the ice. Okay. Uh, one of the most effective, top one or two most effective defensemen to this season around 30th. Really? And again, still early. Still early, and he's still effective, right? Like, not trying to say he's got become, you know, the worst defenseman in the league <laughs> yeah, by any yeah. stretch of the imagination. But whereas he used to be the top, your reliable, dominant top, you know, shut down D and Kopitar same way, right? He was it was him and Bergeron, and you know the names you'd expect. And now Kopitar drops down to, I want to say like around 150 or something like that. And again, still outplaying the opponents, still effective, but it really has been a shift towards that offense. And and they talk about how much fun they're having on the rink, and they talk about how much of a difference it is under this new coaching staff versus the old coaching staff. And again, my only fear is that as the season progresses. It becomes harder to flip that switch. Now, I'm not in full-blown panic mode because, A, they're 11-4-2, and two, so <laughs> at some level, who cares? But, B, also because, you know, you see you see players like uh, Steve Eiserman, Brett Hull, Mike Madano, where they played the first 10 years of their careers pouring in points, buckets yep. of goals, yep. and everybody says when they finally won, the, the, the narrative was always, well, they finally learned how to play defense. They got with the right coach and the right veteran, and they learned how to play, and they learned how to win, and it was a maturing process, and yada, yada, yada. Kopitar, Dowdy, those guys have already, that's how they started their careers, yeah, they, right? They, like, <laughs> 24, they had yeah. two Stanley Cups. They learned how to win, and now they're sort of learning how to have fun and pour in the points, and we've always known that Kopitar could do it. Um, you know, we've seen him with the Slovenia Olympic team. We see him in all-star games. We, we know he's a, an incredibly gifted offensive player. He picks up another point tonight. So my hope is that when the 40th game, when the 60th game, when the playoffs roll around, that that player that they learned how to be early in their careers mm-hmm. can emerge mm-hmm. and they can say, okay, fun mm-hmm. time's over. Now it's time to shut down the other team. Now it's time to limit our opponents to less than 30 shots on goal. Mm. Because if you're letting in 30-plus shots on goal in the playoffs, it's just that much harder to win. It's not impossible. It's just harder. Yeah, and and the game gets tighter in the playoffs because everyone knows how much uh, of a chess match it really does become. Mm -hmm. Because all of a sudden you're matching lines at all times. You're not just free-flowing and the depth becomes a little bit more important. And everyone knows exactly what to expect because you're playing each other seven times in a row. That being said, you know, with the on the topic of Dowdy, and for him, you know, so far in this, you know, small sample size of falling from you know one or two to to the thirty or so area, it, the one thing I can uh, you know appoint that to would be a little bit of the concern in depth and, and the role that he has to play now. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got guys like McDermott or uh, Fantenberg who have no prior experience yeah. to the NHL. And because of that, at times he gets paired with them when he's playing 27 minutes a game where he has to play conservative or he has to take the chance that you know he wouldn't necessarily take if he was paired up with Forbert or you know whoever he may have been paired with back in the day with like a, a Willie Mitchell or, or so mm-hmm. on and so forth. So it's a little bit more of the role and the expectation of him. And, and granted, you know, I'm fine with... Drew Doughty dropping to 30 if we're going to win 11 games <laughs> sure. and, and give up six at that pace, but 
at the end of the day, you really do have to to count the points, and and that's the points that the team earns, and not the player. For sure. No, and one of the things I love about Dowdy is that he's able to wear different hats. Very much so. You know, when he's paired Very with so. uh, Jake Muzzin, he becomes yep. the defensive anchor. Yep. When he's paired with uh, Rob Scuderi, he becomes the run and gunner. Exactly. Um, and, you know, somebody mentioned it on Twitter talking to Jim Fox tonight. They felt that maybe Drew was doing a little bit too much tonight. And, 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 he, and he was. And, and he falls prey to that, I think, more frequently than other players and I, I don't even think it's necessarily a critique because it just demonstrates the the passion and the sort it of demonstrates the passion but also the the potential the potential that this mm-hmm. guy has in in being so effective for his team alone but most importantly for the defensive core because he makes up for what certain guys on the on the line cannot where you've got guys like you know Carlson who by all means is one of the top two three defensemen in the league right now but his decor that he has is quite, you know, marginally better right now than what the Kings have on their line. Yeah. So it's it's the role, but it's also the expectation and what the coach and the the D line is is expecting of him. But most importantly, asking for him to do. Yeah. And to your point about the depth, it's not even on the blue line. They. Yeah. They still sure. and obviously look. It's what seventeen games in, sixteen games in. Um, you know they're they're clearly sticking with the Kopitar Brown and I follow. Although late in games they have popped yeah. uh, to fully up to that line. That 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 seventies nine now with Kempe <laughs> um, seems to be pretty stable. But you know tonight Amadio gets scratched after playing as we mentioned the last game only one shift in the second. Yeah. Um, not sure why. Still and it's and because it's a, no disrespect to Mike Amadio, but because it's not one of your star players, I doubt there's going to be a ton of reporters hounding after to find out why yeah, that exactly is. What happened, yeah. um, you know, you talk about a player like Camilleri playing six minutes a night. I'm not sure how effective he can even really be playing that kind of minutes. And I think along with that is it's the type of role. Yeah, you know, Camilleri for 80-90% of his career has been a top two-line guy who does a lot of the dirty work but also goes to the net and creates offense. Then you all of a sudden put him on a Kings roster where you're like, all right, well, we're going to need you to be more of a grinder. You're going to play fourth-line minutes. You may get on the power play, which he did. Yeah. And, and it, you know, the Kings power play was a bright spot. It looked really good even though it only produced one goal and four or five opportunities. Uh, it, it, it's kind of an interesting role. And that's why I think that, you know, Stevens as a head coach is now kind of figuring it out for the first time as he is now taking on the role in the NHL of the head coach. Uh, but it's it's – it's matching players with their ability and putting them in the lines, but also what they're capable of. You know, certain goal scorers can't play on a fourth line role. Now, Camilleri is not a pure goal scorer, but he plays a, for the majority of his NHL career. He's been a guy who you know eats up fifteen to twenty five minutes a game, and and it gets that you know pace going, gets the rhythm going. So it'll be interesting. I agree that it's not necessarily effective right now in in seeing what they were doing. A lot of time. I think two or three times they had to ice the puck because they just couldn't get out of their zone at the fourth line. So it's a little concerning, uh, especially against a team that you know is a little bit shorthanded on the offensive end like San Jose is right now. Um, we'll see how things move forward and how progress with what happens with Amadio, if he's actually sick or injured, um, and, and where the Camilleri situation goes or if we see any call-ups either. It's, I mean, and this is not to pick on Michael Camilleri. It's just no, a, a perfect yeah. example of depth. You know, he played three minutes and 46 seconds on the power play tonight. The power play takes seven shots with him on the ice. They give up zero. It's power play, obviously. Um, but at even strength, he plays six minutes, uh, six minutes and 12 seconds. 
his line takes eight shots, gives up 13. Um, so you say, okay, he's a power play specialist. Um, but they have... I'm not sure they need a power play specialist. No. So yeah. unless he's pouring in just tons of points on, numbers, that, yeah. on that power play, then, then I see that I'm looking at sort of a power play specialist who's playing twice as many even strength minutes in a position he's not particularly suited to. Yeah. Whereas a guy like Amadio, and again, I'm not suggesting that Amadio take Camilleri's spot in the lineup, I'm just spitballing. A guy like Amadio comes out, replaces him on the, on the, on the even strength minutes, doesn't replace him on the power play minutes, but you maybe give a guy like Alex Iafalo a chance on the power play. Yeah, or... and who knows exactly what the situation is and, and what's going on in the locker room, but I agree. Iafalo, to, to talk about him for his, uh, just individually, he's looked, I mean, he's come up and he's played every game with Kopitar since they've come together, and he's looked very good. You know, as we were talking before the podcast, he was effective on the ice tonight. He was running around. He was energized. And then it just like seems like, all right, well, then they go to the power play and you don't see him. And mm-hmm. then he comes back because he misses a shift because they have to get all the lines even again. But he's fresh and he looks good. And then they, and then they don't use him again. And so, um, you know, as, as you mentioned, you know, pull him off. Who knows if they you know, end up with Camilleri out of the lineup or, you know, Amadio comes in. You know, we, you know, we don't know what's going on when it comes to the strategy of that. But it definitely seems like there's an opportunity for for progression within uh, within Amadio. But most importantly, Ayafalo, who's playing on the first line, who's already shown growth in his rookie year. Yeah, this is what this is what sort of confuses me. Ayax uh, Ayafalo, Jake Muzzin, zero minutes on the power play. Adrian Kempe, Tanner Pearson, Tyler Toffoli, Oscar Fanberg all under a minute. Now, okay, so your top power play unit is Camilleri, Dowdy, Brown, Kopitar, and Martinez. But, you know, one of the critiques, uh, and I'm going to bring him up just because I love criticizing him, one of the critiques of a guy like Alex Ovechkin was always that he played the entire power play shift. He wouldn't come off the ice. Yeah. And, you know... You love criticizing. I do love criticizing come him on, Alex Jesse. Ovechkin. But no, but I mean... It, Best goal it, scorer it, of our generation. It deni- but why? Um, but he denies other guys on the team... <laughs> playing time it, yeah. it tires the player out it messes up the lines etc um so look it's early in the season or 11 4 and 2 N- nobody's in panic mode just making subtle observations because my again my fear is that the kings become that team that gets off to a hot start and disappears down the stretch and obviously vegas is the leading contender <laughs> to, to be that team but you know we've got we've got anaheim and edmonton still out of a playoff spot lurking uh, yeah. Edmonton is six nine and two. They've, they're second to last in the Western Conference. That's every game, good. no, it's not. There's and no every that <laughs> every game that passes, it gets a little bit harder for them. But I just don't think anybody would be surprised if they string together a nine, ten, eleven game winning streak. And if you do that, your whole season changes. Oh, in, very much in, so. So you know, you've got Chicago out of a playoff spot. You've got Anaheim out of a playoff spot. You've got Edmonton out of a playoff spot. Minnesota is sort of a dark horse to get back in it. And it's early, but it but it gets less early every game that passes. So you know, obviously uh, Chicago and Minnesota can't pass the, the Kings in the Pacific. But like I said, <laughs> like I said, we've got An- Edmonton and Anaheim out there. Um, Anaheim with five division banners in the last five seasons, if I'm not mistaken, and Edmonton with the best player in the league. Um, Vegas and the Kings. <clears throat> everybody's you know everybody along with Mike Milbury is wondering if they're for real or not. Um, So anyway, uh, the Kings lose two in a row. Uh, I feel like there was something else we were going to talk about, but it totally slipped my mind. Anything else you want to do? Oh, let's talk about Jonathan Quick. Yeah. Jonathan Quick has another great performance. 
he played well, and it's unfortunate that he ends up with a loss tonight because, as we mentioned earlier, the, the two goals were were zero percent his fault. Yeah. One, you get a, a very hard pass that deflects off of uh, Joel Ward's skate at the hash mark and ends up in the back of the net as he's sliding across to stop the backdoor save, and the other one just a rebound that goes off of his glove as he tries to glove the save um, on his behind. It's unfortunate because. Uh, you know, it stings a little bit more knowing that his old backup was on the other side of the net and unfortunately outplayed him tonight. Uh, but Two uh, games in a row. Two games in a row, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, it's the rivalry games. You know, these aren't two-point games. These are four-point swings. And uh, unfortunately, they didn't get this one to overtime uh, to, to get at least something out of it. But, uh, you know, the, the game against Tampa Bay, uh, we didn't talk about this last podcast, it was 0% his fault. You know, no. they were, he was left out to dry. Um, I think it was uh, a great move to keep him in because they had a chance to still come back. Tonight, he played really well. He was back to his old self, making a lot of point-blank saves, even though the shots weren't that high in total. Uh, every chance seemed like a very good opportunity uh, for both teams. Uh, and that was another part of what made tonight so interesting in the game itself. But, uh, you know, there's not much to say beyond the guy deserved better than what he got tonight, but in an 82-game season, it all evens out. It's one of Games like this are one of the reasons, you know, people complain about fancy stats and advanced metrics and analytics and everything. Tonight is one of those examples of why I don't particularly like the remedial stats, yeah. uh, even the normal ones, like goals against and, and save percentage. Jonathan Quick gets burned on save percentage. Goals against two, that's fine. It's a two-to-one two lead. Yeah. You know. But his save percentage takes a hit on, again, Two goals that weren't his fault at all. N- nothing to do. <laughs> Absolutely nothing well, to do with the, him. Even Tampa Bay. Yeah. I mean, he, he gets shelled for five when maybe one was his fault. Right. I mean, it, that's that's really it. And, and and I guess, I mean, as the cliche goes, you know, over an 82-game season, it's all going to play out. And that's, you know, your save percentage is mm-hmm. what you really got over, you know, 50, 60 games for a goalie. Uh, and I agree. Tonight, tonight was a fluke uh, in the stats department of the the you know the remedial stats or the the, the bare naked ones. Uh, but you know, again, all that matters is the win, and and they didn't get it tonight. They certainly didn't. I want to thank you for joining me, Jack. Yes, sir. Kings fans, uh, keep listening. Don't forget to subscribe. Recent episodes and subscription links can be found at lakings.com/podcast. Thanks for listening, Kings fans. We'll talk to you soon.